Turn with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. We've been, uh, we've been talking about the Christmas promise for the last couple of weeks. And of course, you'll remember that when Jesus came, when Jesus was born, God was fulfilling His promise to every person to send a Savior. But we've been focused on God's promise specifically to one man, King David. That not only did God fulfill a promise to every person in humanity to send Jesus as the Savior to deliver us, that's why He came, that's why He died, that's why He rose again. But the reason why Jesus was born of Mary the Virgin of the line of David was because God made a specific promise to King David. And we saw a couple of weeks ago that God keeps His promises. That just as He made a promise to David, He fulfilled it. And just as He's made promises, uh, He made a promise to send Jesus for all our sakes, He has fulfilled it. Amen? But even more than that, God has made hundreds of promises in the Bible, in His Word, to us, to us as believers who are in Christ. He's made promise after promise to us, and He will keep His promises. Amen? When He comes back, when He returns... I love, uh, Kurt taught us this months ago. He said, God, we will call God faithful and true. We will declare to Jesus, you are faithful and true. Why? Because in the end, he'll keep every promise. And the reason why he didn't come on December 21st is because all those promises haven't been fulfilled yet. (laughs) The timetable is not based on some stone, but upon the promise of God's word. Amen? All right. So we learned that God keeps his promises, and then last week we saw how David responded to those promises. That just because God makes a promise to you doesn't mean you're going to receive it. You've got to respond correctly. You've got to know how to receive that promise. And we said that number one, one of the biggest things that we've got to do is respond to the promises of God with thankfulness. We saw David respond to God with a humble gratitude and also respond with faith that says yes to God. Basically, David said, thank you, Lord, and he said, yes, do it, God. He came into agreement with God, and he came into, uh, and he responded to the promise of God with thankfulness. Well, today, I want to I turn to Luke 2, Luke chapter 2, because I want to look at another man named Simeon and a promise that God made to that one man regarding Jesus. This is part of the Christmas story, but most people don't realize it. And Simeon is actually a a great man in in Scripture, but most of us don't even know who he is. He's kind of one of those unsung heroes, and this is one of those parts of the Christmas story that we usually forget. This is actually a number of days after Jesus' birth, uh, 40 days after his birth. And let's pick it up in verse 21 to see how Simeon responded to the promise of God and how Simeon received the promise of God to him. All right? So verse 21. And when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, which you guys know means Yahweh or the Lord saves. The name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now when the days of her purification, referring to Mary, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him, referring to Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. 
and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of, of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And so the context of this is that Joseph and Mary, this young couple who have a newborn baby named Jesus, who's 40 days old, 40 days because that was the days of the purification. They're going to come to the temple in Jerusalem to offer Jesus to the Lord as their firstborn son. And ultimately, we know, as God's only begotten son. But they're going to present Jesus to the Lord on this 40th day. And they're coming, uh, and they're coming into the temple. It says in verse 25, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, the Christ or Messiah or the Savior. Verse 27, so he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Verse 33, And Joseph and his mother marveled at, these, at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And so, Mary and Joseph are taking their baby Jesus into the temple, and at the same exact time, Simeon walks into the temple. That's really good timing, isn't it? Boy, lucky man, isn't he? Just, see, it... If we're, not, if we're not careful, if we're not paying attention to the word, we can think, boy, some people just get all the luck. Oh, that, what a coincidence. Oh, what a coincidence. But this isn't coincidence, is it? This isn't luck. How did he know to be there at the right place at the right time? How did he know that? And how is it that he knew who was the Savior? How did he know which baby it was? It's a big temple. Maybe there would be lots of kids there. But he knew that son and that couple were holding Jesus, the Savior. And he walked right up to them, and he took that baby, which nowadays we'd probably freak out. No, <laughs> don't take my baby, no. And he, he took the baby, and what did he do? He blessed God, which basically he began to prophesy, didn't he? He, began to say, he blessed God, and he said, thank you, Lord, now I can, I can go and die in peace because I've seen your salvation, the salvation you're bringing to all people. He began to prophesy about what Jesus was going to do. And then he turns to Mary and Joseph and he blesses them. And then he starts prophesying over Mary. Gives her a very specific prophetic word about her and about Jesus. How is it that this man was at the right place at the right time? First, you notice here in verse 25 that 
the reason why he received a promise from God is because of the kind of man he was. David didn't receive that special promise from God that David would be the father of the Messiah just because he was some random dude, right? David was a man after God's own heart. Simeon doesn't receive a promise that he's going to live until he sees the Messiah with his own eyes just because, you know, he's just some random guy. Listen to what it says. It says he was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of the Lord, and the Spirit was upon him. See, if you want to receive a promise from God, you've got to walk in character. You've got to walk in holiness. It says that he was just, meaning that he gave to the poor, that he cared for the things that were going on in people's lives who were hurting and who were broken. Devout, meaning that he kept the law and he sought God. Notice it says he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, meaning he was somebody who sought first the kingdom. He was waiting and longing for the Messiah to come and for God to bring his kingdom. And it says, and the Spirit of God was upon him, meaning that he walked in the Spirit. Even we as believers, we're commanded to do these things, are we not? To seek first the kingdom. We're actually commanded in Ephesians chapter uh, 5 to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And Paul often commands us as believers to walk in the Spirit. And we're told to walk in holiness. We're told to walk in, 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 in justice, in kindness to the poor. See, if you want to receive a promise from God, you've got to walk in this way. There was something about Simeon that attracted God to Simeon. God is attracted by humility and by kindness. The Bible simply says if you give to the poor, you're lending to the Lord. You want to attract God's blessing, you give. You want to attract God's promises to your life, you position your heart by being of single heart, like, like Clint said, by having an undivided heart to say, I'm going to seek your kingdom. You're, you're my one desire. People like that, God wants to hook you up. And so with, with Simeon, it says right here that God gave him a promise. Can you imagine how precious that would be? How powerful that would be? Now we assume, we don't know for sure, but we assume that he received this promise when he was younger. A lot of people assume that. And it appears that he's older. The main reason that people assume that he's older is because he says, now your servant can depart in peace. And so many times people think he's, he's older. Not, it may or may not be, to be honest. He could be a young man, he could be an old man, but most church tradition and, and most people who read that just assume, hey, he's, he's an old man. Let's just assume that he is. He receives this promise from God. Can you imagine? You're not going to die until you see the, the Lord's Christ. Wow, what something, that's something so powerful that you could hold on to, isn't it? It's not my time yet. You'd know, it's not my time. It's not my time. And he just keeps seeking the Lord. He's just keep pressing into what God had for him. But notice it says right there in verse 27, So he came by the Spirit into the temple. So he came by by the Spirit into the temple. It's the same thing when it says that God revealed to him, in verse 26, that he would, see the, uh, he would not see death until he saw the Lord's Christ. It says that God revealed to him by the Spirit. So the same way that he heard God's promise is the same way that he received that promise.
And the point is really very simple. If you want to be at the right time, at the right place at the right time, if you want to position yourself to receive what God has for you, you need to walk in the Spirit. Simeon didn't just accidentally hear God one day and hear God randomly and then just like go about his own business all throughout his life for years and years and years and then just one day happened upon the temple at the right time. That's not how it works in our relationship with God. The same way that you receive a promise from God is the same way you walk it out and see it manifested in your life. You've got to walk in the Spirit. I think a lot of us need to cultivate what I talked about last week, thankfulness about God's promises. It's so essential that we receive the promises of God and we stand in faith, even patient faith, while we're waiting for those promises to happen. I think it's probably one of the most, to be honest, one of the most important things that all of us could work on and our whole church, even those who aren't here today, It's something that as a pastor I've been burdened about. Simeon waited for this promise for a long time. David, as we're going to continue to look at his life in in January, waited for the promise of God for a long time. And so I think one of the most important things that we need to cultivate, and it's what I pray for you a lot for, is patient faith with an attitude of thankfulness that says, Lord, you said it and you're going to do it. I'm going to wait for you and I'm going to be thankful. That's really, really important. And you can see that Simeon did that. He waited patiently. And you can see David did that. And everyone else in the Bible, they received promises of God because they waited patiently for them. But patient faith isn't enough. Waiting on the promise of God isn't enough. There's something else we need to do. And it's what we see right here in Simeon. It's active faith. It's the kind of faith that continues to cultivate a deep and intimate relationship with God and a person who by faith continues to walk in the Spirit all the time. I've had a lot of people ask me when I talk about healing and I'll say, look, healing is the Lord's will. And they're like, okay, okay, okay. But like, how do you actually minister that to people? You know what I tell them? Same way you do anything from the kingdom. Hear God. Just because you have a promise from God doesn't mean you don't have... It's not like automatic transmission. You've got to be able to walk in the Spirit and hear the Lord step by step every day. And what I see about Simeon, if you'll see, it says right here that the Spirit was upon him. And it says right here that verse 27, so he came by the Spirit into the temple. What I see here as I was studying this, actually last year in January, I went on, away on a retreat, like I usually do. I'm going to do it next week. I just go away with the Lord, and I seek the Lord. And uh, as I was spending time with the Lord last year, this time last year, the Lord spoke to me from Simeon's life, and he showed me this very thing, that Simeon constantly walked in the Spirit, that he was constantly attuned to the voice of the Lord. How else would he have known to go to the temple? Except that the Holy Spirit said, hey, go to the temple. Did he know he was going to run into the Messiah that day? We don't even know. Maybe he didn't even know that 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 was the day. All he knew, God told me to go to the temple. I obviously got something to do. 
and he showed up. And how would he know that Jesus, that baby Jesus, was the Savior? Except that he was in tune with the prompting of the Holy Spirit. So if you're not attuned to the presence of the Lord, if you're not attuned to the voice of the Lord, you're not walking in the Spirit, hearing His voice, and ready to obey Him every day, all day, you'll miss what God has for you. I think a lot of Christians, because they don't walk in the Spirit, and they're not attuned to the, to the leading of God's Spirit, I think a lot of Christians do miss out. I think all of us, to be honest, all of us have missed things that the Lord wants to do at some point in our life. And you know what? That's all right to admit it. That's all right to confess it. Sometimes it's sin. We're living in rebellion. And other times it's just, I didn't know. And we can tell the Lord, Lord, I missed it. Some of us are in problems right now or in difficulties right now or you know that you missed something from the Lord. Maybe sharing your faith with somebody or some sort of financial thing. Whatever. And it's okay to say, Lord, I missed it. Because I wasn't attuned to your spirit. I wasn't ready to obey you or I wasn't listening. It's okay to admit that and then say, so Lord, I want to walk in your spirit. <clears throat> but a lot of Christians, because they don't know how to hear God's voice, there's a spiritual deafness. Because of that, we just guess. A lot of Christians are just guessing. But Proverbs chapter 3 says, Do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge the Lord, and He will direct your paths. If you want the Lord to direct your paths, and you want to be at the right time at the right place, and see God lead you into the thing that He has for you, you've got to learn how to be led by Him, and you've got to learn to acknowledge Him in all your ways. But if you're leaning on your own understanding, you don't get the directed in all your paths. Does it make sense? You've got to say, Lord, I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. That's a conscious decision. To not lean on your own understanding. But to say, Lord, I'm going to acknowledge you in all my ways. So many believers, they're led by <clears throat> signs and open and closed doors. They're led by weighing the pros and the cons or led by just human intuition. And, all, and, and although those things may or may not be wrong in and of themselves, when you don't have the leading of the Lord, then it's all based on your interpretation and your understanding. How do you know the closed door isn't from the devil and God doesn't want you to kick the door down? How do you know that the open door is from God? How do you the devil could open the door? Just because it's an opportunity doesn't mean it's God. Just because it looks like it could be God doesn't mean it's God. But Dave, how do I know? You've got to ask him, what did the Lord say to you? So many Christians, they don't know how to hear God. So they just guess. Well, I think God wants me to do this. Do you think or do you know? Well, I just asked him for a sign. We've got to be led by the Spirit. And so in order to do that, we've got to cultivate in our lives a sensitivity to the presence of the Lord. A sensitivity to His voice. But if we're too busy, or if we're just leaning on our own understanding, we won't have the sensitivity to hear Him. So you can imagine if Simeon was not cultivating a lifestyle of seeking first the kingdom, a lifestyle of being with the Lord, a lifestyle of being filled with the Holy Spirit, 
he could have missed when God said, go to the temple. Because he would have been too busy doing his own thing. Or he would have been too in rebellion to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Do do you see? Just because God has made promises to Christians doesn't mean that they'll receive them unless we're sensitive to the Holy Spirit. There's a difference between hearing God's voice like once in a while and being a person who walks in the Spirit. I remember as a new, a new believer, I heard the Lord tell me to go to Life Pacific College. It was one of those major life decisions. I was a new Christian. I, needed, I was choosing where to go to college. The Lord had already spoken to me to be a pastor, but that didn't necessarily require me to go to any particular college, obviously. But I felt a tugging in my spirit. I didn't know that's what it was back then, by the way. But I felt this tugging in my spirit to go to Life Pacific College. I didn't want to go. It wasn't accredited. Those of you who don't know what that means, it wasn't like an official school at that time. It is now. It wasn't like an official school that other schools recognize. I should say that way. It wasn't accredited. That really bothered me. It bothered my parents. Really struggled with the decision. Uh, didn't want to go to the school. I remember driving to the school the first time. And I thought, this is it. Where's the rest of it? I was looking at other schools like Loyola Marymount and Notre Dame and, you know, like UCLA and stuff like that. You know what I mean? I just was like, you want me to go here? What is this? It's like little place. And, um, and so I fasted and I prayed and I asked God, speak to me, please, you know, speak to me. And it was really a very difficult time and it's a very difficult time for, between my parents and me. And I remember asking the Lord... And one, one time, you know, one time, he spoke. It was maybe one of the most audible times I've ever heard the Lord. And I, I can't tell you whether it was audible or not. It was just really clear. Let's just say it that way. It was so obvious. Like, go to life. And I went, APU? <laughs> and the Lord said, go to life. I mean, it was, it was two times, really clear, really clear. And... Uh, so, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little bit, you know, thick in the head. So, I, I went, I did, I, I obeyed the Lord. But just because I would hear the Lord, and, and I, I've heard the Lord on, on a number of times, but doesn't mean that I would walk in the Spirit all the time. You know, if, you're, if you don't have emotional wholeness in your life, for example, if you have a real problem with condemnation, You'll mix that up with God's voice all the time. You won't be sure. I used to struggle with condemnation all the time. And I wasn't sure which one was His presence. Because the condemnation, you're not sure if it's from God or not. That's the whole point of condemnation. Was God mad at me? Did He hate me? Am I condemned? And so you're not sure if that's the presence of God. So if you're not emotionally whole, people who have a problem with fear, they'll think the fear is God, and then they'll control themselves. They'll think God's trying to control them, or they'll control other people. See, if you're not emotionally whole, you'll just confuse that. You've got to be able, and, and, and I think Luke's message on, on being honest about our emotions, expressing our emotions, is really important. Because if you can't be honest about what's me and what's God, you'll confuse it. You have to be able to say, and I, I had to, I've had to learn how to do this over the years, 
Condemnation? You're not from God. I don't receive that at all. Clinton and I talk about that a lot because him and I struggle sometimes with the same thing. And so even to this day, we have to talk to each other and say, yeah, I was, I was feeling this condemnation. I rejected that. That's not from God. But this is what the Lord is saying. We have to be able to make a distinction and sort some of those things out. And so how do you become sensitive to the Holy Spirit? How do you become sensitive to the presence of the Lord and become attuned to His voice? Because I'll tell you, His prompting is often very subtle and His voice is often very subtle. And if, like I said, you're not sure which is the presence of God, you'll often get it confused. And so a lot of my growing up as a Christian, as a new believer, I would mix things up. I would think something was God when it wasn't. It would lead me to judge myself, judge other people. It just wasn't, it wasn't healthy. And really, I continued to lean on my own understanding as a young believer and just kind of guess which direction I should go, guess what I should do and what I shouldn't do. And I remember a number of years ago, I was at a conference, I don't know, three or four years ago, maybe even five years ago, and this guy walked up to me and he said, Lord says, you need to learn about the hearing of faith. And it was interesting because the Lord had already been tugging at my heart. Again, just, I use that word tugging because there's this subtle prompting of the Lord as He'll begin to speak to us about things in our life. Many times when God wants to speak to us, He wants to make corrections, adjustments. He wants to give us truth that's going to renew our mind. He wants to give us wisdom. And if you're not open to God's correction, if you just want, I just want the answer. If you just want to ask God for the big stuff, you don't acknowledge the Lord in all your ways, but you just want to like ask Him for the big stuff when you're really worried, I wouldn't expect an answer. You might get it because He's just really good. But a lot of times what ends up happening, you start weighing the pros and cons, flipping the coins, asking for the signs, because you haven't cultivated the sensitivity to His voice and to His presence. And uh, the Lord's tugging on my heart about this hearing of faith. I didn't have a clue what that meant. And this guy says, you need to cultivate in your life. You need to learn. God says you need to learn the hearing of faith. All right. I didn't know what that was. But I'll tell you, over the last number of years of my life, probably five years, my wife knows that I've just really gone after being a man who would be led by the voice of the Lord. And a lot of it was a conscious decision to say, Lord, I'm not going to lean on my own understanding, but I'm going to stop. And I'm going to ask you what you want me to do. I'm going to acknowledge you in all of my ways. You'd be surprised if you'll just ask him that he'll lead you and he'll guide you on every decision. Not because he wants us to be like little babies who can't make a decision or like robots, but because he wants us to participate with him and him with us and give us wisdom and insight and understanding about things that you wouldn't know. So how do we cultivate this? Number one is being in the Word of God. Being in the Word. How do you cultivate being sensitive to anyone's voice? You've got to spend time with them. You've got to become familiar with their voice. Imagine, have you ever, you ever called someone? Oh, I'm sorry, the other way around. Has anyone ever called you? Hey, Dave, how's it going? And you, you don't even know who it is. Hey, how you doing, man? Hey, what's up? And they start talking, and they start asking you questions, and you, 
yeah, totally, oh yeah. And you're thinking to yourself, who is this? And then you start narrowing it down to like maybe two or three people. But you're like, oh, I'm not really sure. And you, have you ever actually like gone for it and said the name and you were wrong? No, this isn't, this isn't Bob. This is George. Oh, oh, sorry, man. Sorry, I've done that before. Totally embarrassing. Very embarrassing. What's really funny is I, call, I, to, I never wanted to do this. I called my, uh, I, think it was my I think it was my sister and her, my, my nephew answered the phone. And I said, oh, Julie, how's it going? And it was my teenage cousin, or nephew, I mean, right? I never wanted to do that, but for some reason, when people get it to that 12, 13, 14 years, they just sound like their mom for some reason. I'm sure I did too. I don't know what it is. But, uh, so I totally made that mistake. But how do you, but if my wife calls me, I don't have any, I don't make any mistake that that's her voice. Why? Because I've heard her voice on the phone over and over again, right? We've talked on the phone over and over again. And so by being on the phone together, you learn to discern the voice of the other person, yes? So how do you learn to discern the voice of the Lord? You've got to hear Him. You've got to be with Him. You've got to talk with Him. It's totally different when you see somebody than when you're talking on the phone, right? Because you can't base it upon what you see. It's the same thing with the Lord. We have to learn what He sounds like, what His voice sounds like, and we have to know what His presence feels like. I don't mean feeling like physical feelings. or something. I just mean the, the sense of His presence. We've got to become attuned to that if we're going to know how to be led by the Spirit. So we've got to be in the Word. The Bible says His Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. A lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And so when you read the Word of God, it shines light into your path. It shines light into where you need to go. It shines light into your mind and renews your mind. It shines light into your heart to see what's going on in me. And so you can see, you can, God can make corrections in your attitude and your character and heal your emotions and things like that. And it shines light into the actual direction or path that you need to go. The more that you're in the Word of God, the more that you'll hear God's voice. This is why we read the Bible every day. It's not so you can do like a checklist. Okay, cool, I read, I read, I read the Bible, I'm done. It's not for that. It's so you can connect with God, so you can cultivate an intimacy with the Lord and a sensitivity to Him. Now, I'll tell you, if you read the Bible every day, it will not be sensational all the time. I guarantee you'll hear the Lord often, maybe even every day. But it won't sound the same every time. But I guarantee if, you, if you're, if you're uh, in the Word every day, you'll be sensitive to His voice so that when He speaks to you, you'll know it's God. Think about it. I'm on the phone with my wife. Let's say I talk to her every day. I don't, probably don't, we don't, probably don't talk on the phone every day, but we do talk every day. But is it really like spectacular conversations most of the time? What, what, what do you talk about most of the time when you're friends or when you're married? You just talk about life. You talk about the kids. You talk about what happened that day. It's not all that amazing. But every once in a while, you have that deep conversation, that awesome conversation. Or you go to Knott's Berry Farm and you get to ride on a roller coaster with your wife and hear her scream. It's hilarious. It's the most fun I've ever had with my wife. We went, I, it was like a few, I don't know, it was a month ago or something like that. It was great. You guys got to take Michelle on a roller coaster. It's so much fun. <laughs> so much fun. I Seriously, we've been married 10 years. I've never laughed so hard in my life. I had so much fun. 
So much fun. Can I tell him? So we're on like this boomerang one. <laughs> See, we're like, we, we had already gone on this like crazy roller coaster and we decided to go on a second one. I don't know why we did that. When you're over 30, you know, you need to take more breaks. I'm just messing around. Okay, so we, we totally, there was nobody there, so we went on like one roller coaster right after another. After the second one, we sat down for like an hour. No, I don't know, it was like a half hour. We were like, oh my goodness. Oh, my head. So, um, no, so we're on this one called the boomerang or something like that. And on the way back, she goes, oh my gosh, take me back to the kids' rides. <laughs> it was the funniest thing I've ever heard. I'm like laughing all the way back. And then, uh, then we went on this wooden ride and I thought I was going to die. That was when I started. I was crying like a little baby. Those wooden rides are freaky. I thought the thing was just going to fly right off the, the cart. I was like, take me back to the, like, the really crazy ones. You know, I'd rather be on those like loop-de-woop. Anyways, okay, so, <clears throat> I don't know why, it was, totally, it was totally random, that was for free, but I just, uh, my point is that the more you spend time with someone, the more you know them, and the intimate times come from cultivating that intimacy every day, and so when you're spending time with the Lord every day, yes, you're going to hear His voice, I hear the Lord almost every day, but I wouldn't say every day. And I wouldn't say that it's spectacular every day. Sometimes I'm just in the Word and I just get an insider principle. But oftentimes, what God wants to say to me actually takes a long time for me to get. Not just because I'm dense, I know. I know, you might be thinking, oh, you're a little slow, Dave. But also because He's really subtle. And He likes to woo us. And many times what the Lord wants to say to you will happen when you are very sensitive to what He's saying. Think about Proverbs 3 again. Do not lean on your own understanding, but acknowledge the Lord in all your ways. In order to acknowledge Him in all your ways, you've got to leave your own understanding. You have to set aside your understanding in order to hear the Lord. Too often, we are only attuned to the thing we think is relevant, that makes sense to us, right here and right now. Now, if God was only wanting to talk to you about what you knew and you understood and what you thought was relevant for your life right now, today, you wouldn't need the light to shine on your path. The whole point is that you don't know which way to go or you don't have that wisdom and you need to hear God. And so often, people will come and hear a message and be like, I don't need to hear that. Check out. I already know that truth. Well, guess what? You're not going to hear the Lord then. You just, you just ruled yourself out. You just deep unpositioned yourself. I don't even know that's a word. Unpositioned yourself to not hear God. Same thing in, in just coming and reading the Word. Oh, yeah, I read that one already. You know, I already read that one. But when you come with a hunger and a longing and an expectation not to get through the reading and just do, do it because you're supposed to do it, but say, Lord, I want to meet with you. I want to talk with you and I want you to talk to me. You'll be ready. Even recently, the Holy Spirit started prompting me to just turn to Psalm 40. He does this a lot, to be honest with you. I'll just, I, have, I have a reading plan, like I encourage you to have a reading plan that we read as a church. And I do, I have a reading plan, but I also just go where the Holy Spirit leads me as I read the Bible. And so if I begin to sense the Holy Spirit leading me over here, or I just, a verse pops in my head, I just turn there, I start reading. Now, sometimes I read it and I go, no idea why I just read that. 
I mean, I read the whole chapter. You know, you don't want to just read one verse. You always want to read kind of in context and everything. I, was, I don't know what that was all about. But I always hold on to it. But even recently, just as an example, this happens to me a lot. This is all the time, really. Uh, Holy Spirit was just drawing me to Psalm 40. And I, uh, maybe a month ago or so, I just began to read it. That's pretty good. It's a good psalm. Nothing jumping out. Again, if you don't think something's relevant, eh, that was nice. Move on with your life. But instead I thought, ah, something's, something's going on here. So I began to just read through Psalm 40, and it began to become, it became my, uh, some language that I was using in prayer, which often happens for me. I'll just have a particular psalm where I'll just use that for my prayer, one aspect of my prayer life. So I began to just pray that to the Lord and speak that to the Lord, Psalm 40. And over a couple of weeks doing this, maybe I did it every day, or maybe every other day, just different parts started to come and mean something to me. So I began to speak that back to the Lord. But a lot of the Psalm 40 was more of a reflection on the past. So I began to think, you know, amen, Lord, you have been good to me. You've done this, you've done that. And I just, just thank you for that. And I was thinking that the Lord was showing me this Psalm. I think he was, but I, think, I thought he was showing me this Psalm just for me as a time, a place where him and I could just connect and it was a great thing, you know. There's just some good things the Lord was showing me, reminding me. Just wonderful. It's just good. But then a couple days ago, I'm meditating on Psalm 40 again. And actually, it was more than a couple days ago, but yeah, uh, a couple days ago is when I got it. It was like, wait a minute. I started thinking, I think the Lord's sh- showing me something. I began to realize that the Lord wasn't just showing me this psalm for something he had done. And that was good. He started showing me there were some areas in my life. He said, Dave, you need to rest in my promise. You need to wait on me. And he was showing me, he was correcting something. He was saying, your heart's getting off a little bit, Dave. Your heart's getting off a little bit. You've got to come back. So I want you to understand, if, if you're not in the Word every day, you don't get those little course corrections. But you also, you miss the subtle leading of the Lord. And so often what he wants to speak to you as you're reading the Bible, sometimes something might just jump out. Sometimes I tell people, man, just read it. And if something just jumps out at you, sometimes I'm reading the Bible, and this hasn't happened very much, but it does happen. I feel like, I mean, the Lord just reads it to me. Sometimes I'm reading the Bible, and it's like all of a sudden he starts speaking it, personalizing it to me. That's fun. I wish that happened every day. But that doesn't happen every day. It's usually much more subtle than that. Or just a principle. I love, I love talking with people who are just barely learning to hear God's voice, maybe as a new believer or maybe because they have never really cultivated this. And they say, well, I think, I think God showed me something in the Word. I go, that was God. I go, tell, tell me what it was. Yeah, that was God. It's just a principle, just like a, a cool truth that they never saw before. I go, that was God. And they go, really? I go, yeah, that was the Lord. Why do I do that? Because it builds up their confidence. I go, oh, well, that was God. And the next time, they go, that was God. And the next time, and the next time, and the next time, and the next time. And little by little by little, you begin to know what it is that God sounds like. Another way to cultivate a sensitivity to His presence is through worship. Now, we worship God because He's worthy. No matter what, we worship Him. But I'll tell you, if you'll worship the Lord, if you'll praise Him out loud, you will cultivate in your own heart a sensitivity to what His presence feels like. One of the reasons we worship here is one of the reasons we linger in His presence in worship at times or even sing new songs. Because 
The Bible says in Psalm 22, he inhabits the praise of his people. So what happens is when you worship the Lord and you sing to him, his presence comes and you begin to know, oh, oh, that's what it feels like. Oh, the presence. And what happens, you become attuned. Kind of like a tuning fork, right? You hit that tuning fork and vibrates. You begin to become in tune with his presence so that you know when you're aligned and you know when you're not. Because the key to walking in, his pre- walking in the Spirit all day is to be attuned to that. It's not that he leaves you, right? God, people are like, well, he's always there. Of course he is, but you're not always aware of it. It's the degree, it's to the degree that you're aware of his presence and you're listening to his voice. And so it's as you walk through your day 